November has arrived and the 2021 college football season is down to its last four weeks. The week starts off early as there will be five MAC games on Tuesday and Wednesday to whet your betting appetite. On Wednesday, Northern Illinois faces Penn State. Illinois has won 10 straight matchups against the Golden Flashes. The Huskies have won their last four games by a total of 18 points and are ripe for the upset. Give me Kent State to cover at home. However, you're not here for my free picks. But our crew of college football experts, insights, and free picks. So let's get to Gareth Seegers, Kyle Hunter, and Parker Fleming. See you on Thursday for part two when ranked schools and heavy hitters will be addressed. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week 10, part one. And on Wednesdays, we discuss the early slate. We got a whole slew of weeknight games. We had a fun week last week. We're going to discuss exactly what is on tap for this weekend today. But first, let me go ahead and let you guys know exactly who is with us today. Our experts with us every single week. I'll go ahead and let you know. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. On the left side of your screen, we have Parker Fleming. He is our numerical guru, as I like to call him, the stats guy, the numbers guy. You can follow him on Twitter at Stats of War. Parker, uh, fantastic week last week. I mean, six and two against the number. Uh, things are starting to round into form, my friend. Yeah, definitely feeling better about um, the end season data. Definitely feeling better about uh, you know, kind of my process for what are my what are my key picks? You know, on average, been doing pretty well, but had a couple misses with who am I selecting? So I feel like I've got that tuned in and ready to uh, pick some winners this weekend too. Ready to keep it rolling. Uh, you got that right. On the right side of the screen, our award-winning professional handicapper Kyle Hunter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to go ahead and cede the floor to you so that you can discuss what happened in Florida State and Clemson last week. <laughs> Good, because I know, I know that you got to say something about it, because we could probably go on a diatribe for about 10, 15 minutes here, just discussing the last play of that game and exactly what all it did to numbers across the world. Uh, give me, give me your thoughts on how last week went. Yeah. You know, um, I had just gone trick or treat with the kids and came back in just to see the end of that game. So, you know, that was, that was not the greatest. I think of myself as a pretty, uh, even keeled guy, but that one pissed me off, to say the least, certainly. Um, you know, I have to say, when they were at the 43-yard line, I didn't feel too bad. But then when they turned around and intentionally ran backwards about 15 yards before they started just pitching it, you know, lateral after lateral, I could see it coming. You know, you could see it coming from far away. And then, of course, it gets tackled right as he's going into the end zone, just one yard farther up, and it wouldn't have uh, beat the under or the sides if you had Florida State. Um, I will say I was kind of due for a – one of these rough weeks on the, on the plays, you know, you're not always going to have a winning week. I, I could have taken my two and three and been fine with it, but that, that making it one and four, the way that it went certainly stung. So oh, I, I just want to say, you know, <laughs> I don't want to dwell on this one too much guys. And uh, I I'm hoping Florida state and Clemson doesn't come up again after this. Oh, you got that right. <laughs> it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. So it's not a week, you know, thing. We are not blowing the bank roll in one week. We do it for the entire season. Uh, Kyle, I mean, you have had seven winning weeks out of nine weeks. That's pretty unbelievable. So, you know, one in four a week here and there, we can go with that. Percentage-wise, you are still up on me uh, as far as the overall record. Uh, why don't we go ahead and, and discuss that? Let's get to the overall picks here. 
On the season, I am sitting at 30 wins, 25 losses, and three pushes uh, out of 58 picks. Kyle is sitting at 20. Well, let's see. These numbers are wrong. Hold on. I've got yeah. the I've got the new overall record. Uh, let's see. I am sitting at 35, 27, and three, and Kyle is 27 and 20, and Parker is now 38, 36, and three after a six and two week. The overall number now on your screen it said 88, 75, etc. Uh, it's actually 100 wins, 83 losses, and six pushes. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. We're we're doing okay. We're we're improving as the year goes along, and now we are into week 10. So let me go ahead and tell you this before we jump into the games. Make sure and sign up over at BetUS. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to get you a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. I can't stress. Again, I tell you every single week how great of a deal this is. Make sure and take advantage of it. It's phenomenal. There is a link in the description. You can click that. It's going to automatically toss the promo code in there for you, so you don't even have to remember it. But I will go ahead and tell you again, uh, NCAAF 2021 is the promo code. Toss that thing in there. Take advantage of the deal. Next, uh, we hit a milestone. We are at 2,000 subscribers on this channel. Uh, this is not the BetUS official channel. We have our own college football channel that you can come to. You can be notified whenever we go live, Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time, uh, which, by the way, that might change for Thanksgiving. We're going to talk to the... Uh, to the upper management about that. We'll figure all that out because we don't want to be going live on Thanksgiving. I don't know how many of you guys will be available to actually tune in for that. So we want to make it easy for you guys. But either way, do us a favor. Keep subscribing. Tell everybody you know about the show. Share it out uh, on your social channels, whatever. Make sure and like the video. And, of course, jump into the chat. we got a bunch of guys in here. P-Matt's in here. Brad, Alejandro, uh, of course, Parker jumping in. But, yeah, you guys are all in, and uh, and we appreciate it. So jump into the chat with any games that we don't hit on with whatever. Like, we, we will hit on all of it in a Q&A at the end of the show. And with that said, let's go ahead and dive into the first one. We've got a game this evening that we are going to, well, really two of them that we're going to hit. The first one, Northern Illinois heading to Kent State. We got Maction on a Wednesday, my friends. And that game kicks off uh, in just a, a little over two hours, somewhere around there. So we want to go ahead and make sure that we hit on this one. Northern Illinois is a three-and-a-half-point underdog, uh, juiced at minus 120. Total is 71-and-a-half at this point. The last meeting was in 2017 between these two teams. Northern Illinois won that one 24-3. Uh, that was when Rod Carey was still at school. NIU 10-0 straight up in their last 10 against Kent State, 7-3 and against the spreads. This has not been a kind matchup to Kent State. Uh, Northern Illinois, 5-2-1 against the number this season, 8-2 and two against the spread in their last 10 as a road underdog. Kent State, 3-5 and five against the number, their last four as a home favorite. They are 4-0 and oh straight up, 3-1 and one against the spread. Uh, Parker, I want to start with you here. The, the overs uh, for these teams, you know, you would expect more points, but overall on the season... Not a whole lot of total points here, et cetera, et cetera. Northern Illinois has shocked a ton of people. Hey, give me your thoughts here on uh, on Northern Illinois and Kent State. The uh, the Mac Gary has been kicking my behind this year. I don't know that I have a positive record or even close to a 500 record with the Mac game. Some of these are 
so elusive. I think Kent State is a team that we thought would get better after their early struggles with schedule uh, or against really good teams, and it really feels like they they haven't. That offense is still 87th at EPA per play. Defense is 94th. Now, that offense is pretty successful, 31st overall in success rate, but that's primarily driven by their rushing success, and um, they're actually pretty weighted, uh, pretty pretty balanced uh, on, on early downs there. So the key stats for me here, uh, Northern Illinois' rush, EPA per rush, is 20th in the nation, and they're rushing on 73.8% of early downs. So Northern Illinois wants to rush early and often, and they do it well. Kent State's rush defense, 103rd. If I had a lean here, I would lean towards Northern Illinois, uh, plus, I think, 3.5 plus 4. But uh, these these weeknight Mac games, man, I my absolute error on these is just outside the uh, uh, outside of what I'm comfortable having to play on. No, I can I can totally understand that. Uh, Maxion is crazy. Like this is the literal definition of gambling, and that is betting on something and you have no idea which direction it's going to go. That's what Mac games are. Uh, the overs, like I was talking about, uh, Northern Illinois, their last two games have gone over. Uh, Kent State, two of their last three have gone over. So they have started scoring significantly more points. Kent State has since they got through that brutal first stretch with. Texas A&M and Iowa, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, aside from that, Kyle, both of these teams are giving up over six and a half yards per play in their last three games. Uh, that's a lot. It, it seems like, I mean, this this total opened at, what, 66, I think, and now it's up to 71 and a half. Uh, just a ton of a total movement here. You got a feel on, uh, on this number? Yeah, guys, I like the over in this one, and obviously I liked it better when it was 66. Uh, when you put this on our sheet here for the show, then I do a 71 and a half and uh, it'll trigger me a little bit if this one falls between those, those numbers again, obviously <laughs> right after that Clemson game. But um, I will say Kent state 48 points, 31 points and 34 points in their last three games against um, uh, Mac defenses that are not great. And here they go up against the Northern Illinois team that somehow they're four and zero in the Mac and Northern Illinois is really not very good. I mean, th- this is a team that, um, doesn't have any redeeming qualities on defense. You know, this is a really weak defense. Um, I, I don't think we can be confused into thinking that Northern Illinois is actually good. Rocky Lombardi, not a good quarterback. They have a good running game. And the thing that Kent can't do is stop the run. They're very small on the defensive line. That's a big problem for them. Um, I, I really think that both teams are going to be able to run and have a lot of big plays here. Kent State, 14th in rushing play success rate offense so far this year. And Dustin Crum has kind of been disappointing this year overall. But this is the type of team that he really should take advantage of. I think if Kent doesn't put up a big number here, I would be concerned about them going forward because this is the type of defense they really should put a ton of points up on. Uh, Sean Lewis talks about a flash, fast culture, and he's you know, followed through with it. Some of these coaches talk about a really fast pace and then you see, you know, they're 50th or something in tempo. They're second in the nation in pace of play. They play very quickly and they still did play Iowa, Texas A&M. Like Gary said, these really good defenses that does skew their numbers down. Certainly um, Northern Illinois is 92nd in the nation in touchdown percentage in the red zone. And Kent state is 111th. I think positive regression is coming for both of these teams. Look, we saw these really high-scoring uh, games in the MAC last night, and I think that has a lot to do with why this total has gone up so much today. Um, I like the over in this one. I think this has shootout possibility uh, written all over it. Uh, with that said, let's go ahead and move to the official play, and Kyle is going to have our official pick here. He is going Kent State over – sorry, not Kent State, just over, period. Over 71. 
Kent State, Northern Illinois, over 71 and a half at this point. Uh, it's moved up even another half point since we since we got into our uh, call here. So uh, that's going to move us to another Mac game, another one this evening. Wednesday night, I mean, a 7 p.m. Eastern time kick here. Central Michigan heading to Western Michigan. And I will go ahead and tell you, that graphic has Western Michigan as a nine-point favorite at home, total of 64 and a half. Uh, gentlemen, that, that nine has actually gone down a little bit. I'm looking at it live right now. Central Michigan now an eight-and-a-half-point underdog on the road. It was up to uh, 10 at just yesterday. So, you know, it's been bet down quite a bit. So let's go ahead and dive into some of the numbers here. Western Michigan won this game 52-44 to 44 last year. Uh, Western Michigan 8-2 and two straight up, 6-3-1 and one against the spread their last 10 against Central Michigan. Uh, guy to watch for tonight. At Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore has been unbelievable for the last four games. He is just unreal. Since he came back from, uh, I guess it was injury, I think, uh, I did not look that far into it. But since he came back, uh, he's been pretty unbelievable. And, you know, you look at, uh, at some of these trends here, there's not a lot that would lead you uh, into what I am I'm picking on this one. Um, but one thing that I do like here is Central Michigan 3-1 and one against the spread. Their last four as a road dog. Western Michigan 1-3 and three against the spread. Their last four uh, as a home favorite. I... I tend to lean much more so on Central Michigan, but I want to get some some thoughts here first. Kyle, let's start off with you on this. Uh, the Chippewas and in Western Michigan, I, you got any ideas on this one? I don't have any strong opinion on this one, so I'll be quick. I, I think these are two well-coached teams, um, you know, wild and wacky games in the MAC. I, I expect a lot of back-and-forth games. I think this will be a high-scoring game as well. The total would, uh, would make you think that. I do have a weird stat for these two. Central Michigan 11th and third down defense, and Western Michigan eighth, both allowing less than 30% on third down conversion attempts. I wouldn't imagine that will continue. Um, I, I think that really stands out as strange for, for MAC defenses that I don't think are really that that good. Western Michigan especially, very good offensively, not a very good defense. Um, LB is a good quarterback. Uh, I think McIlwain's a bit underrated as a coach. He's 50 and 41 ATS all time. Uh, you know, we know in the bigger programs, he didn't do qu quite as well, but you get down on the Mac, he seems like a pretty successful coach. I think this should be a back and forth game. If I had to bet this game, I'd take the points here, but no strong opinion. Uh, Parker, Western Michigan has scored 24 points or less in four of their last five games. Uh, Central Michigan is averaging more points per play on offense. They are giving up less on defense over the last three games. Central Michigan appears to be uh, a better football team now that Daniel Richardson has taken over at quarterback. Uh, give me, give me some thoughts here. I, I, I really am going. I've, I've already bet this at ten. I think I still like it at eight and a half. Uh, give me, give me some thoughts here. So, um, Caleb Elby is a, a very good quarterback. Thirty-three total EPA on the season. That's 39th. And and Daniel Richardson in limited time is is twenty-six with thirty-nine point nine total expected points added this season. So two really good quarterbacks here. Um, and, and two high potency offenses. There's a couple complementary things here that I, that I think are kind of, um, if I had to take, if I had to pick who is going to score more against the uh, neutral defense, I'd absolutely take central Michigan. They're 22nd in EPA uh, per play on offense. Western Michigan is 37th, nothing to sneeze at, but decidedly less. They do have that, um, just confounding win against Pitt. Um, where, where I really think that Western Michigan has an advantage and why my model actually, um, 
thinks that Western Michigan would cover is Central Michigan's defense is pretty poor. 107th in EPA overall. Um, they are 113th in EPA per pass, 78th in EPA per rush. They're giving up quality possessions at a 59.7% rate, which is 112th in the nation. And they're 100 and 23rd in early downs EPA. So Kyle, um, you mentioned about the um, uh, the third down defenses there. And I think this is an interesting case. I should look at how many third downs they face or how often they get in third downs. Cause it's probably the case that they're giving up like a nine yard play on first down uh, or, or like people are taking shots and there's not facing, they're facing very favorable, like long third, third and long situations. Otherwise teams are just scoring or, or moving the ball. Um, but third downs, third doesn't matter. There is some, there is some asymmetry there, but I think that central Michigan's defense is so much worse. Whereas uh, Western Michigan's defense is like 59 versus EP uh, versus the pass 56 versus the rush. Um, It'll be interesting to see you've got another asymmetry here where Western Michigan is rushing 59.6% of early downs and Central Michigan, that's 100th, Central Michigan is rushing 46.9, which is 24th. So kind of conflicting styles. I like Central Michigan's ceiling, but their defense is um, just so much, so much worse than Western Michigan's offense. I actually would lean Western Michigan. Uh, That is all good. I'm going to disagree with you. I think Central Michigan is the play tonight, and that's where I have put my money uh, now, I put it on them at plus 10, but I still kind of like it at plus 8.5. This is Maction. It's a Wednesday night game. We know crazy stuff's going to happen. Yeah, Western Michigan might have a better defense, uh, but that's okay. That's okay, because I expect absolute insanity, kickoff returns, pu- uh, blocked punts, etc. Like, something nuts is going to happen in this game that is inexplainable. So I'm just going to ride with Jim McElwain. That's my plan. So let's make it an official play. I'm the only one going to ride on it. I can understand it. Central Michigan, for me, plus nine, official play. All right, that moves us off of the Wednesday games. Let's dive into uh, some more weeknight action. We're going to jump into a Thursday game here. Georgia State heading to uh, Louisiana Lafayette, or just Louisiana as they like to be known, the Raging Cajuns. And uh, the Raging Cajuns are a 12.5-point favorite at home, total of 53.5 2020, Louisiana won this game 34-31. to They are 5-0 and straight up, 2-3 and against the spread uh, against Georgia State all-time. Now, Georgia State 5-3 and against the number this year, 3-1 and against the spread their last four as a road dog. Louisiana 3-5 and against the number, and they are 3-1 and against the spread their last four as a home favorite. Both defenses are good at running the ball. Uh, both are great at stopping the run on defense. Both defenses are bad at stopping the pass, but they're not exactly great at passing the ball either. I don't have any kind of a feel on this at all. Parker, let's start off with you. I hope you got me some numbers because I am I am perplexed as to why this line would be 12 and a half when I'm not expecting a ton of points here. Yeah, so 12 and a half is a lot of points. My model is just inside of that, which is why I don't have a play. It's closer to like 10, 10 and a half. And so, you know, kind of kind of uncertainty bars uh, overlap with the spread there. But I mean, if you just kind of squinted and only looked at the rush game, this is like a powerhouse battle here. So Georgia State on offense, 47th in the ru- uh, in, in rushing success rate um, and 27th in EPA per rush on defense, 23rd in success rate and 24th in EPA per rush. On the flip side, Louisiana, they are 
second in EPA per rush and 20th on EPA per rush on defense. So really, really good run games here. Um, and, and both teams running the ball, you know, very high rates, 55.8 for, for Louisiana and 63.4. Um, where I think the difference is, is that Georgia State has no passing offense to speak of. They're 104th in EPA per pass. That's negative 0.104. And uh, Louisiana is 69th in EPA per pass on offense, 0.043. So that's not excellent, but it's it's consistent, um, and they don't lose a lot of um, value. There's not a lot of uh, uh, bad things that happen when they pass the ball because they run so often and they run so well. So the key for me here and why I think that um, the line might be so big is that uh, Georgia State's pass defense is 103rd. So you kind of mismatch of really, really good rushing. It's going to come down to who can pass. And Georgia State on passing on both sides of the ball is just abysmal. So that's why I think that Louisiana, uh, Louisiana excuse me, has the edge here. Uh, Brad jumped in on the chat. He said Louisiana is so bipolar. I, 100% right. But I, I think part of that is that Louisiana, while talented, is not talented enough to just run over everybody, right? So I, they win a lot. I mean, they've won every game since the uh, the Texas game to start the season. But I think this is a team that, you know, if they just show up and play and do what they're supposed to do, uh, they will play a lot of teams to a dead heat. And and when you give them turnovers, uh, much the way that happened against App State, et cetera, uh, yeah, they can blow you out in some of those situations. But for the most part, they're going to play you straight up and then probably be a little bit better efficiently uh, than you are, and and they'll get a win. So that's that's the way that I look at that. They are they are definitely uh, bipolar in some of these different results where they have blown out some teams and then some teams like South Alabama, uh, they only beat by two points, right? You wouldn't expect that, but and I, I could maybe see the same thing happen here. Uh, but Louisiana is by far the the better football team. Georgia State has played better as of late, though. Kyle, uh, do you have a a feeling on this one? Yeah, Napier is a really good coach. Uh, certainly respect the job that he's done, and I imagine his name will keep coming up in in many uh, uh, possible openings. Louisiana, 127th in strength of schedule so far this year. They've been very up and down, like Brad said. Um, Levi Lewis has been disappointing this year. I remember a couple of years ago, he was really good. He looked like he was going to be a at least a, a really good player for Louisiana. Now, he doesn't have as much talent around him as he had then. You know, I think he probably misses those really good running backs and and a couple good receivers as well. Lewis has a PFF grade of 69.9 so far this year. Now, that's 152nd in the nation. That's behind Dennis Grossell from Boston College. Um, the talent around him isn't what it's been, but I still expected him to be better than this. I think it's hard to lay this many points with a game with this kind of total when Georgia State's defense is actually pretty good. Um, you know, Georgia State's really inconsistent, too. They should have beaten Auburn. They were blown out by Army, blown out by App State. Um, you know, when I see a game like this, guys, where I see so much variance, so many potential outcomes, I don't want to bet a game like this. 87% of the bets are on Louisiana, 82% of the money on Louisiana. I think if you like Georgia State, you probably want to wait and see if you get a better number. If you like Louisiana, you probably want to go ahead and lay it. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got one day left. Uh, there is a chance that this thing could get up to 13, 13 and a half, maybe even 14 uh, if you start getting a ton of big plays on it. But yeah, as of right now, 12 and a half, uh, I think we're not going to have an official play on this one. Uh, there's just too much variance here. Who knows what is likely to happen? Of course, another weeknight game. Uh, but that will take us to another weeknight game. We've got a Friday game, and it's a late one. Utah heading to Stanford 
Utah, a seven and a half point favorite on the road, total of 54. And I think that that line, let's see, I'm pulling it up as we speak. Uh, no, nah, no, nah, okay, we're still seven and a half, uh, I believe. <laughs> Just updated on me. Uh, but yes, total of 54 here. And at, nope, we're up to, nope, we're okay. Minus seven and a half, juiced at minus 115 is the live line right now. Okay, good, good, good. I, I thought I was going crazy. Utah won this meeting, the last meeting in 2018, 40 to 21. They're three and one straight up and three oh and one against the spread all time against Stanford. So they typically have a pretty good matchup here. Uh, this is going to be a rough one. Parker liked this one initially. Now we are hearing Tanner McKee, the quarterback, likely out for Stanford. Uh, if they have to roll with Jack West, uh, his numbers against Kansas State in his only action this season, he was 8 of 12, 76 yards, two interceptions, uh, and they lost to Kansas State early in the season, and then they switched it over to McKee. Stanford can't can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. Uh, their only hope is really you know explosive passing plays. Uh, Kyle, let's start off with you here. I, I mean, if I'm Utah, I don't know that I throw the ball any more than 10 or 15 times in this game because I think that I can – I think I can just run and get a win and get out of town. Is is that how you would feel in this one? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the drop-off from McKee to West is pretty drastic. So I, I think that's, that's a pretty significant injury to monitor. And if if he is out, it'd be hard to bet Stanford in a game like this. Um, Kyle Whittingham, we talk about Salt Lake City being really good home field advantage, and they've done well ATS there. But Whittingham's a good coach in general. 50 and 40 against the spread on the road. Um, so the Utes have been very good at covering in general. Um, at the same time, David Shaw, 69 and 54 against the spread. So two good moneymaker coaches against the spread. My big issue with Stanford, like Gary was saying there, is their offensive and defensive line are really bad. You know, they can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. Uh, you know, to me, Stanford's not the type of team I want to bet unless I'm getting quite a few points against a quality opponent. Utah is always good in the trenches. Um, they certainly better with Cam Rising at quarterback than they were with Brewer earlier in the season. Um, they've they've been a little bit inconsistent themselves this year, but I trust Utah a lot more than I trust Stanford here in this game. And and it, based on what I see in the market, uh, you know, ninety percent of the money on Utah. This number is probably going to go up some more based on the injury news and stuff. So if you like Utah, you're probably not going to get seven now. Uh, Stanford, you're probably going to get a bigger number. And this one I have to pass, but I, I always appreciate these good uh, late night games on Friday night. It's nice to have some good action on Friday night. Now you have certainly got that. Uh, David Shaw, you brought up David Shaw being a moneymaker. Um, and I'd, I want to say I saw a number, and I'm actually pulling it up right now. All right, so since the beginning of 2019, he is 9-15-2 against the spread. That's 37 so he used to be a moneymaker. <laughs> he used to be a moneymaker, so he hadn't been great as of late. Uh, Parker, uh, Brad jumped in. He said, am I crazy for thinking Utah minus 7.5 is an easy winner? Uh, and then NC Street News jumped in, said Utah minus 8, easy. I I don't know that it's quite that simple, Um Utah is 0-3 against the spread as a road favorite so far this season. They have not looked good on the road. Uh, but Stanford, I mean, we just talked about that. the quarterback shift is is a drastic change here. I don't know what that necessarily means. Uh, give me give me your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I felt like I was an auctioneer. Like, can I get an 8.5 in the chat? Like, what are, where, where are we going? How high can it go? Um, 
Yeah, so so I had this as an official play uh, for for Stanford um, plus plus seven and a half, and removed it this morning when we got the McKee news because Stanford's offense is really one dimensional. Forty sixth in EPA per pass, a hundred and fifteenth in uh, in EPA per rush. Um, and so Stanford is just really, really bad splits there. Actually, their rushing defense and rushing offense are both really, really bad. Um, Utah is like perfectly split. Uh, so they have a good rushing offense, 24th, and then 83rd EPA per pass. On defense, they're a little balanced. But the thing that makes me nervous about Utah is just on the road, they've been terrible. Um, aside from the USC game where they were playing a team who had just lost their quarterback and their coaching a lot of issues there. Um, there. There's some serious home road splits. They're winning double digit games at home and, and losing double digit games on the, on the road for the most part this season. So really weird home road splits. I don't know hundred percent what's up with that. Um, I mean, they, they lost to an Oregon state team that I thought that a Kyle Winningham defense absolutely should have handled uh, a couple weeks ago. And so uh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable betting Utah on the road this year, just because they've been so speak. Somebody said Louisiana was bipolar. They've been so bipolar on the, on the home and the road split here that um, I just don't feel comfortable with it. That being said, again, uh, I don't know why you'd throw a pass if you're Utah. I would line up and, you know, 13 personnel and just run the ball until Stanford <laughs> did something about it. Um, and then on defense, I absolutely would, um, drop eight and say, yep, you guys figure it out. And so I'm sure Kyle Whittingham knows all this. I, I I can see this being one-sided, but that home road split, man, something funky's going on there. And so I just don't trust Utah. It totally makes sense. Larry Pilgrim jumped in on the chat. He said, Utah still put up 34 at Oregon State, even with two failed fourth and goal positions. Uh, the problem wasn't their scoring. The problem was that they gave up 42 points. I yeah. would not expect Stanford uh, to do that this time around, but I... I mean, who knows? Who knows? So uh, crazy, you know, Pac-12 after dark action on Friday night. Uh, we do not have an official play on that, uh, mainly because of the injury news here. So uh, go ahead and remind everybody, like the video for us. There are a lot of people watching. Not as many have liked the video. So hit that thumbs up button and help us out. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that notification bell so that you know when we go live. I'll tell you again, it's Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. We hit the early slate on Wednesdays. We hit the afternoon and evening slate on Thursdays. Uh, and make sure and jump into the chat. Q&A at the end of the show. Any games that we do not hit for the early slate today. Uh, if you want to ask about a late slate, whatever, you can ask about that one tomorrow. Uh, but you can toss it in here, and we'll try and we'll try and remember it for tomorrow's show as well. Um, but yes, make sure and tune in tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern time. We go over the afternoon slate. Let's jump on to... The Saturday slate now. Ohio State at Nebraska. Uh, this is a 12 p.m. Eastern time game. Uh, Ohio State won this one 52 to 17 last year. The numbers here, Ohio State is a 14 and a half point road favorite. Total is 64 and a half. Ohio State six and one straight up and against the spread all time against Nebraska. Uh, Ohio State four and one against the spread in their uh, last five games. They are 8-1-1 one, one against the spread in their last 10 as a road favorite. Uh, Ryan Day really juices that bunch up to go out on the road and, uh, and just demolish people for whatever reason. Nebraska 5-4 and four against the spread this season. They have not covered in three straight. That's right. At one point, this team that lost to Illinois to open the season was 5-1 and one against the number, uh, but they have not looked good as of late. They are 2-8 and eight against the spread in their last 10 as a home underdog. Uh, and yet, this line opened at 15 and is now down to 14 and a half. Uh, Parker, let's start off with you here. 
the the Buckeyes, I think some people kind of got turned off by the way that game against Penn State went. I looked at that a little more as Penn State lost to Illinois based on the fact that they were gearing up more for Ohio State than anything else. I don't think that that was uh, a, a bad situation for Ohio State. I don't think it was uh, making Penn State better than they actually are. I think it was just a Saturday night game between two really talented teams, and it just so happened to be a nine-point game. I, I did not take anything away from that that made me believe that Ohio State is not a dominant football team. What were your thoughts? Yeah, so sorry, I had a bewildered look on my face for a second there. Um, didn't they cover against Michigan? Wasn't line three and a half against Michigan? I can't remember. I feel like I picked that game, and I can't uh, remember was. either either yes. way. And so they they covered they covered that Michigan the, game. So the the closing line is is what uh, these normal right. bit okay. yeah yes. because it got down cool. to two and a half. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Thank you. I'm a moron. <laughs> uh, I just, you said that. And I was like, wait, no, I think I won that play. And so I was confused for a second. Okay. The big deal about Ohio state last week is that they faced a Penn state team who was healthy and a Penn state team who really, really, really wanted to beat Ohio state. Um, and Penn state had two things going for them that they hadn't had all season. One, Sean Clifford could run Two, Jahan Dotson was playing against athletes that he was clearly better than both of those had not happened at the same time. Uh, for Penn State since the Auburn game. So definitely nothing to sneeze at in that game. And Ohio State was definitely in control in the second half there. Uh, what I think about with Ohio State and Nebraska is uh, what I think about everything that Nebraska does this season. Six losses, six one-score losses. Um, they are feisty, mostly because Adrian Martinez is a gamer. He's not a polished quarterback, but what he can do with his legs to extend plays when things break down um, is, is fascinating. So my model has Ohio State covering this comfortably there's some matchups here epa per pass defense for nebraska's 85th cj stroud looks amazing ohio state's offense is second in epa per pass um and even though nebraska's rush defense is 25th pretty good ohio state's sixth there so that asymmetry with the pass game i think ohio state's going to be able to score at will and you you know the Nebraska is not necessarily going to be able to take advantage of Ohio State's defense because Nebraska's rush defense offense only 31st in the nation, whereas Ohio State is 17th in rushing defense. In the passing game, Ohio State's lacking. They're 68th. That secondary is bad. Penn State uh, kind of did death by a thousand cuts last year, last week, and I don't think Nebraska has the athletes to make that happen. Uh, their passing game is only 34th overall. So I, I, I'm kind of torn here, and the reason I'm ultimately passing is 15 and a half is a lot of points at home for Nebraska. Nebraska has been scrappy all season. Adrian Martinez is a gamer, and so again, if this were um, lineup 75 yards. Let's take turns and see who can score the most. I think Ohio State would absolutely blow them out of the water. But I do like the grit of this Nebraska offense, and I do feel like they're going to be able to um, find a way to make some things happen, even if it's not ultimately a, a really competitive game. So 15.5 is a lot of points here. Uh, yeah, it's a, so the line actually 14.5. I, I like Ohio State here. I want to get Kyle's thoughts before I, uh, before I make it official, of course. But, uh, you know, it, it, what Parker just talked about, Kyle – Ohio State is actually pretty decent at stopping the run. In their last three games, they've only given up 1.3 yards per carry. I I tend to lean towards Nebraska likes to set up the pass by establishing the run, and when they can't do that, they tend to have a lot of problems. Now, they have backdoor covered their way into, or not backdoor covered, but they have worked their way back into games late. We've seen them score late multiple times. 
I don't know that they will be able to do that against Ohio State. Uh, Kyle, you got a thought on on the Buckeyes and the Cornhuskers? Yeah, I always have a lot of thoughts about Ohio State games, so never short on that, Gary. Um, uh, Ohio State's first in the nation in yards per play margin. Nebraska's 11th, guys. I mean, this Nebraska team is the darling of winning the stats and finding a way to lose the game. I mean, you're not going to find a better team at winning the stats and, and losing the game. Adrian Martinez is still a turnover machine, uh, major problems with fumbles, especially um, he ranks 132nd and PFF grade among quarterbacks. Martinez is talented. We know that he can make plays, but he also makes too many of those big negative plays. You know, as far as last week's game, um, as a Buckeyes fan, I was kind of disappointed with their showing there against Penn State. Having said that, Penn State game plans well for them. They always play them tough. Uh, even though Ohio State's beat them the last few years, um, it's always a tough game. Penn State has really good athletes. Ohio State did have 6.9 yards per play, so their offense was still moving well. They just really struggled um, in the red zone and and really running the football. They were disappointing in the first half. Henderson got going a little bit in the second. I really think Ohio State's offense will look better in this game. Um, Ohio State's defense is still a problem. Like Parker said, the secondary is not good. But this number... Uh, it's too high for me to take an over. I kind of wanted to take an over, Gary, but you know, 64 and a half is pretty high. Uh, I don't know if I trust Nebraska to score enough points against Ohio State because, as Parker said, Nebraska is not really that type of team that slings it around and, and kills you um, when you have a weak secondary. So um, I definitely lean Ohio State in this game. Uh, my number here is 16 and a half. So I think Ohio State is the right side if you're taking a side. I, I wanted to take the over but I'm going to wait for one of their games here coming up soon, and I'll, I'll back it over with Ohio State. The last two losses for Nebraska, that was uh, Minnesota and Purdue, they have given up a better than 75% completion percentage. Uh, they are not good against the pass, and I think C.J. Stroud and company are going to have a field day against the secondary uh, for Nebraska. Now, on the other side, like I just said, Nebraska likes to run to set up the pass. They're not going to have any open holes to be able to do that. That front seven... Uh, the number I just mentioned, last three ball games, Ohio State's only given up 1.3 yards per rush. I I trust them to get this done. I think they feel a little bit embarrassed. I think they might be kind of irritated that they were only number five in the first ranking. I think Ohio State comes out and proves a point. And and again, Ryan Day, 8-1-1 one, and one against the spread the last 10 as a road favorite. Uh they like to get up on teams and just demolish them on the road. We saw it at Indiana. Now Nebraska, better than Indiana. But I'm going to make this official. I am jumping all over Ohio State here. Uh, give me give me the Buckeyes, minus 14 and a half. I think they come out and prove a point. They have just shellacked Nebraska the last however many times that they have played them. Uh, it has not even been close. You remember game day went there in like 2019, I think it was, and and they beat them 48 to 7. It was a night game. They expected something major going on there, and, and they just crushed them. Uh, I expect... Nothing less here. I think Ohio State is the significantly better team. My number on this was 17. I think it might be shy uh, of what the actual number is going to be. So we will move on from there. Uh, By the way, go ahead and get everybody into the chat. You guys go ahead and uh, give us your picks on these games as well. We want to know your opinions. Wake Forest heads to North Carolina, and the number nine college football playoff ranked team is a a two-and-a-half-point road underdog at the Tar Heels, total is 76. We are expecting some points in Chapel Hill, my friends. North Carolina, 59-53 to last season over Wake. 
Uh, in the last six games here, Wake is, well, these two are three and three straight up. Wake Forest is four and two against the spread against North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, three and six against the spread, their last nine as a favorite. So that is not ideal. Wake Forest, four and four against the numbers so far this season. Uh, they have covered in two straight. They are five and one against the spread in their last six as a road underdog. A lot of people not properly valuing David Clawson for whatever reason. So Dave Clawson uh, does his thing here. Kyle, we'll start off with you on this one. I I love Wake Forest. Uh, I also know that when you compare them to other playoff-ranked teams and whatnot, their talent does not exactly stack up. But this is a really fun offensive system that they run, and they have run it to perfection thus far this season. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on Wake and North Carolina? Yeah, same as what you said. Uh, Dave Clawson, very underrated as a head coach. His teams are always ready to go. 47 and 33 against the spread as underdogs, Dave Clawson's team. So, you know, he's already proven this in the past. Um, you know, people continue to doubt him and, and the people continue to fade uh, Clawson's teams and they lose money. So, um, Gary, I tend to agree with you on this one. This is an 8-0 team that clearly, I mean, they haven't played a great schedule. The 83rd in strength of schedule. So, uh, you know, we're not saying Wake Forest is a, you know, top five team or anything like that. But North Carolina has some serious problems. Uh, they can't protect Sam Howe. Their offensive line has been bad. Howe holds it too long as well. Um, minus 16 uh, sack margin for North Carolina, which is a major problem. They're always capable of that big play on offense, but they also have a lot of big negative plays on offense, which can really get you behind the sticks. So, um, guys, I think it's Sam Hartman needs a little more hype. This guy has played really well this year. Um, PFF grade, he ranks behind Malik Willis, and Kenny Pickett, and that's it. Um, Hartman, 1.3% turnover-worthy plays this year. That's tremendous. Uh, it's fun watching him play. He makes really good decisions. I think there should be a lot of big plays in this game. Wake Forest has 29 plays of 30 yards or more so far this year, which is third best in the country, and North Carolina has 30 plays of 30 yards or more, second best in the country. Uh, when this game was on the schedule, I immediately thought, man, I hope they give me a number good enough to play the over here. And then, of course, 76 comes out, and it's like, well, <laughs> anyways, you know, let's move on to the next one. And if I was forced to bet the total, I would still bet the over. And I have a pretty strong lean here to Wake Forest here. I think the better coach is getting points. At Parker, as the right Reverend Houston Nutt used to say, can I trust you? Can I trust you? <laughs> I can't trust North Carolina. I can't, I can't trust them with nothing. All season long, I have expected them to get out of whatever funk they are in. And even without Kyle Hamilton on the field last week, they still could not get it done against Notre Dame. Now, don't get me wrong. Notre Dame, an incredibly mm -hmm. well-coached team, et cetera, and, and a really talented team. But Wake Forest is a really well-coached team as well. So uh, give, me, give me some thoughts here. I, uh, I've already got an idea of which direction I want to go. But uh, <laughs> but I want to know I want to know your thoughts here. Yeah, so the the one thing that would stand out to me is that like Wake Forest passing defense is actually pretty bad. I, I kind of have made a new game. Uh, what was that two weeks ago? That Wake Forest and Army both hit the over in the in one of their games. And so in every Wake Forest game for the rest of the season, that's what I'm rooting for. Seventy six uh, seems like a lot. I don't think both teams are going to hit uh, seventy seven <laughs> points. But Wake Forest passing defense, 109th in the nation. And so you think, man, they're playing Sam Howell. This looks great. I think they could exploit it. 
UNC's offense is only 77th in EPA per play, um, and they are only 57th in passing success rate. They really have looked um, poor. Sam Howell, 66th in total quarterback EPA in the FBS right now, whereas Sam Hartman, 83rd. This EPA per pass uh, for Wake, third in the nation, and North Carolina's defense, 89th on on the pass here. So I, I do trust Wake here a little bit. I think that it being at North Carolina, I've got this just a 50-50 toss-up. Uh, so uh, outright win probability, I've got North Carolina 52 and Wake Forest 48. So this game makes me a little bit nervous because it is going to come down to at what point is North Carolina going to be able to uh, exploit a missed tackle and break off a big play? Um, and I don't I don't really like betting on a game where, where you know, it's going to come down to is that missed tackle big play going to happen for, for North Carolina or not? Um, overall, some other stats that are interesting. North Carolina is rushing the ball very well. Uh, and, but again, they're they're really throwing the ball a lot. And so it's like the, that, that rush ability is probably just late downs. They're 17th on third and fourth down success. So on early downs overall, I'm pretty unimpressed with what North Carolina has been able to do. 67th uh, early downs EPA on offense. Again, Wake Forest defense is 108 on early downs, but I don't think North Carolina can consistently take advantage of it. Yeah, I, uh, I've i got a few different stats here that I agree with everything that you said. I mean, it's hard to disagree with facts, right? Uh, Wake Forest, number seven in net points per drive. Uh, this is per uh, uh, Brian, I forget his name, BCF Toys, if you want to go look it up. Uh, but number seven in net points per drive and North Carolina, number 62. North Carolina finds it hard to get into the end zone for whatever reason. Now, they are explosive. They can find ways to score. Uh, on the other side, where it comes to trust, like uh, like I just brought up to you, North Carolina number 86 in opponent QBR this year. They have let quarterbacks do whatever they want to. Uh, as both of you have mentioned, like Sam Hartman, uh, I think he's going to be able to do whatever he wants to against the Tar Heels. If it comes down to a shootout, if it comes down to one of those kind of plays, I trust Wake to make that play more so than North Carolina. Uh, so I'm going to roll with it. Let's make it an official play. I like the Demon Deacons here. I actually had them. This is a raw team favorite for me, my friends. Wake Forest is a plus two and a half line right now. I think they are going to win this ballgame outright. Uh, I think they're just a significantly better team right now. I think they are more well coached. I trust Dave Clawson. This is a, a Wake Forest renaissance season. So give me the Deacons. And we will move on from there. Uh, moving into some Big Ten action. we got three more games left to hit here. Illinois heading to Minnesota. And the Golden Gophers just awarded P.J. Fleck with a nice, fat seven-year contract worth many, many, many millions of dollars. And uh, and for that, he rewards them with being a 14-and-a-half-point favorite at home over the Fighting Illini. Total of 44 here. Uh, Minnesota won this game last season, 41-14. to 14. Um the total was 65, so of course this one went under. The unders are three and one in the last four matchups between the two. Uh, the under this season has hit in seven straight games for Illinois. Illinois four four and one against the spread. Minnesota five two and one against the spread. They have covered four straight games. Have the Golden Gophers. Uh, Minnesota's third string freshman running back Bucky Irving is averaging over six yards per carry. Has three touchdowns in the last two games. And Minnesota is running the ball 73% of the time in the last three games. They have figured out a formula, and they are rolling with it. I I want to start off with Kyle. Um, nope, I want to start off with Parker here. Kyle, I know you got to play on this one. Uh, Parker, on this, there are not a lot of plays 
being run in Minnesota and Illinois games uh, over the past three, four, however many different games this season. This is a tough one to read. Is Minnesota really as good as they have seemed, or is this still the team that got beat by Bowling Green? Yeah, I mean, I, I think last week was my final my final try to say, you know what, maybe maybe Minnesota's not real. Maybe the other shoe is going to drop. And and you know they played solid football against Northwestern. They took advantage of short fields and and they ran away with it. So I was really impressed with what they've been able to do. Gary, I I know that the idea that running backs don't matter is a meme and it's a joke and there's a lot more nuance to it, but. It does say a lot about P.J. Fleck and this offensive line that they've been able to get other guys going in the running game after Mo Ibrahim's um, really gross injury uh, against Ohio State and the fact that they've figured out ways to get other guys the ball and move it around. Um, I'm very unimpressed with Illinois on, on both sides of the ball. 106 in EPA per pass uh, on, on offense and 45th in EPA per rush, but Minnesota is 51st on passing defense, 32nd on passing uh, rushing defense. Also, Minnesota, absolutely absolutely locks it down and says you will not get quality possessions against us 43 percent echo rate allowed that's 21st in the nation so this minnesota defense is really bowing up and saying hey we're, we're just not going to let you walk down the field against us um couple that with they have the eighth best starting field position in the nation and i really like what they've been doing on defense there for minnesota on the offensive side of the ball uh, the kicker is, like you mentioned, the rushing game is picked up for Minnesota, um, and and Illinois' rushing defense is 93rd overall. So um, I am repenting. I apologize, Minnesota, uh, for doubting you against Northwestern last week. Uh, PJ Fleck, way to get that bag, man. I'm actually going to go with with Minnesota to cover 14 and a half here versus uh, versus Illinois. No, it's I, I do I do like this. There are a lot of people in the chat. Uh, that are jumping in saying, give me Illinois plus 14 and a half, low total two. Uh, Paul jumped in. He likes Illinois in the points. Uh, but look, here's the deal. Like, even though Minnesota is is giving away that many points, et cetera, you look at the the margins that they have started to rack up on on bad football teams, Maryland and Northwestern, the last two weeks. I mean, they, they beat Maryland by 18 points. They beat Northwestern 41 to 14. Uh, they have a history of just crashing on on Illinois. Uh, so I, yeah, I can, I can totally understand that Kyle, uh, you know, 14 and a half is very difficult to cover when the point total is only 44 here. There's like, I, I brought up to Parker. There's not a lot of plays being run Minnesota's averaging 69 offensive plays. They're only giving up 57 defensive plays per game over the last three. Uh, Illinois is only running 60 plays on offense per game over the last three and they're giving up on, uh, they're giving up 73. Now I don't expect Minnesota to uh, to run that many, but when you're running less than 70 offensive plays in a game, it's kind of tough to score points. But Minnesota has found a way to take advantage of all of these thus far this season. What uh what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit as far as the side first. You know, I don't like laying 14 and a half points with that low of a total. Having said that, you kind of look at how many points is Illinois going to score in this game? So I would kind of imagine that if Parker likes Minnesota, he would also probably like an Illinois team total under here because I don't, I don't think Illinois is going to score very many points. Uh, so the question is, how many is Minnesota going to score? Um, you look at Illinois' games, Gary um, said already, seven straight unders and six straight games for Illinois have finished with a total of 38 points or less. And that includes the nine overtime games. So very low scoring games. These are not just ones squeaking under the total. 
Um, we have a low total here, but I think it's low for very good reason. Minnesota ranks second slowest paced team in the country. So they are rushing the ball consistently and burning the clock big time. Um, both of these teams have been very good at preventing explosive plays. In the Big Ten action, 63% of Illinois' plays have been rushing attempts, and Minnesota 71%. So a lot of running clock in this game. Minnesota's a big favorite if they are playing from the lead. Uh, I think they get ultra conservative here at the end of this game. We see some really long, slow drives, which is what I'm hoping. Uh, obviously, I'm rooting for Parker's play, and I'm rooting for the under here. I think that this is one of those games where, like I said, I think an Illinois team total under makes a lot of sense as well. But uh, 44 points seems low on the surface, but when you start digging into this game, I think 44 is not low enough. This is this is one of my favorites here this week. This is a I mean, typical I mean, 30, Big Ten game. Sorry. Yep. 30, Go ahead. 30, 30 to 13 is my projection there. Like, that hits, right? Like, that's the under. Yeah. Um, and that's a Minnesota absolute Take it. whoop it. So, yeah, that's that's definitely what I'm thinking. I don't even think Illinois is going to score 13. No, I, I tend to agree there. I tend to agree. This is going to be ugly. I think at the end of the day, we're all just rooting for a running clock in a game like this. <laughs> so, uh, with that said, you know, we're going to make official plays here. Parker is going to ride the Golden Gophers, minus 14 and a half. He, uh, he likes P.J. Fleck in that nice, fat new contract. And Kyle is going to take the under 44 on the total and I can get down with both of them. I'm going to pass on it. Uh, I don't. I don't have a good reason why, because I kind of like both of these. But uh, but I'm a little scared of them, just a little bit. That's all right. We will move on. We have got two more games before we jump into our Q and A, and we've already got some questions that have come in here. Georgia Tech is headed to Miami, Florida, with a. <laughs> I love some of these graphics, man. Uh, Miami is a ten and a half point favorite. In this one at home, a total of 63 and a half. Last year, Georgia Tech won this game 28 to 21. And Georgia Tech has covered three straight against Miami. They seem to get up for this matchup. Miami one and six against the number of their last seven as a home favorite. Georgia Tech three, six, and one against the spread their last 10 as a road dog. They are one and three in the last four in that situation. They are three and five against the number so far this season. Oh and four in their last four games. So Georgia Tech is not exactly trending the right direction. Uh, Miami, 4-4 four and four against the spread, but they opened up the season 1-4. and four. They are now 3-0 and oh against the number in their last three matchups. Uh, since switching over to Tyler Van Dyke, uh, look, last two ballgames, 751 yards passing, 75-plus uh, completion percentage in both games, seven touchdowns, one interception against NC State and Pitt. That's two of the best that the ACC has to offer. And now you got Georgia Tech coming in here. I, I don't like Georgia Tech very much right now. I don't know what is they they looked good early. They were very shocking with this North Carolina win that they had, where they were able to uh, get after Sam uh, Howell. I almost said Sam Hartman, but they were able to get after Sam Howell in that game and really disrupt North Carolina. They haven't really been able to do that against anybody since. And let's start off here with uh, you know Parker. Let's go with you on this one. I Miami has looked really good since moving away from De'Eric King and and just riding with this youth movement with uh, with Tyler Van Dyke. I I kind of like Miami. Yeah, it's definitely a case where I think that um, uh, this is going to be esoteric, but I do this all the time. You know the movie The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman, where he like the premise is he comes home from college and he's like young and smart and successful, and he's like, 
what do I do now? Um, <laughs> that is kind of Miami's problem with a healthy Derek King and all these weapons on offense. I legitimately think they were inside their own heads trying to optimize that they couldn't figure out what worked. And now they're limited with Tyler Van Dyke, but he's been good because they've said, we have to go back to basics. We have to cover our first principles. And I think they were actually stretched a little thin when they had more talent. Obviously I want Derek King over Tyler Van Dyke you know, before I know anything else, but I think they've been able to kind of get outside of their own head by necessity here. So obviously not a good thing to lose your quarterback, but they've looked very scrappy. And last week, I mean, they let Kenny Pickett pass all over them and they absolutely took away any rushing. They said, you know what? You, we're going to be disruptive in the pass game, but you can get your pass yards, Kenny Pickett, 519, but you are not going to rush against us. They had, um, just a 73 total yards uh, rushing Pitt did against Miami. So Georgia Tech has obviously nothing like the passing offense that Pittsburgh does. And um, Miami, uh, you know, even though their rush defense has on aggregate been bad, they recently have kind of bowed up really, really well. So I like Miami. I like what they're doing the last couple of weeks. I, I agree. We're fading Georgia Tech. I think they're running out of steam. They're 86th in EPA margin. Um one of their big problems on offense, 98th in quality possession rate. They're getting an, uh, a quality possession at 44% of the time. That's just not enough opportunity, man, for a team that can't close. They're they're decent at scoring 4.45 points per scoring opportunity, but they're just not getting enough opportunities. And Miami has been uh, pretty stingy uh, as of late there. So I really like what Miami is 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 doing defensively uh, against Pitt and saying. Take your take your points and and we'll stop the rush. I think they can stop the rush against Georgia Tech and not have to worry too much about the pass over the top there. Um, and then on offense again, they've been muted. Uh, these aggregate statistics are a little bit confusing. But last week, 426 pass yards from Tyler Van Dyke um, and and two just huge broken plays uh, of of 55 plus yards there. So I think that Miami looks explosive on offense. I don't think Georgia Tech will be able to keep up. I I can get down with it. I can get down. Let's go ahead and make it official. Uh, before we move to our last game, our official play here, Parker, going to ride with the Hurricanes. And I like it. Minus 10 and a half on this one. Uh, we will move on. For, uh, let's see. We got the graphic rolling now. Good. All right. <laughs> Parker with Miami minus 10 and a half there. All right. Moving into the last game of the day before we jump into the Q&A. South Alabama at Troy. And this is a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game. Now, we wanted to, obviously, this is an afternoon game. We wanted to fit it in here to kind of even up the two shows. South Alabama, a four-point underdog on the road at Troy, total of 47.5. Troy had a pretty good showing last week against Coastal Carolina, weeknight game, a lot of people watching. Uh, Troy won last year over South Alabama 29 to nothing. They have won and covered three straight and in those games, they have beaten South Alabama by an average of 25 points per game. South Alabama, though, if you look at their numbers this season, significantly better. Obviously, there was a coaching change made. Kane Womack is the new head coach for South Alabama. They are 4-4 four and four against the spread. However, they are 1-5-1 and one against the number in their last seven on the road. Troy, 3-5 and five against the number so far this season. But they are 1-4 and four against the spread in their last five as a home favorite. Uh, you guys know how I feel about Chip Lindsey. Uh, I, I don't know how else I can stress it. I am not a fan of Chip and what he is doing with that Troy program. Uh, it is very rare that you see a G5 program be at a point where they might fire a coach after like three seasons when he's been somewhat decent. Uh, but Troy might be at that position. So 
Troy looked good last week. The offense has kind of been blah. Uh, they're two and one straight up since the quarterback Gunnar Watson returned. Uh, Kyle, I let me get your thoughts here. I can't figure out South Alabama. They they have losses against ULM and Texas State, but they've got blowout wins against Arkansas State and Georgia Southern. This is one of those bipolar teams that we talked about. A lot of variants, all that good stuff. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, when I saw this game on the schedule, um, I figured this was going to be a play for Gary and Parker, to be honest with you. You know, just, just as we kind of get to know each other, kind of figured this was going to be a play for them based on um, Troy being a fade team, South Bama probably being better than what they have shown consistently. South Alabama, 48th in yards per play margin, and Troy is 66th. You know, whoever is at quarterback for Troy is really not very good. Uh, you know, too many short passes. They don't take many chances. Not a well-coached team, like Gary has said many times, very correctly. Um, they have way more talent than they show. Troy should be better than this. But, uh, you know, South Alabama certainly the better coach team. You know, South Alabama has one major weakness as a defense. They give up a lot of big plays. 129th in explosiveness allowed. Troy is not the type of team that you would expect to be able to take advantage of that weakness. South Alabama, I think, should have some success through the air. I know they've been a bit inconsistent there. Um, the Jaguars fit the small underdog with a low total system that's been so good against the spread over the long term. You know, personally, I think I'm going to bet this one at least small, you know, one of those pizza bets on the money line here. I think South Alabama could certainly win this game. Um, I have Troy season win total under, so I'm certainly rooting for South Alabama. But I think Troy is so... Um, disappointing. And they're coming off that game where they put in a big effort against Coastal Carolina. They really had circled that game. They played well in that game, but lost. I don't think this is a very good spot for Troy either. I, I tend to agree. The reason I am not on this one, by the way, is just because of the recent trends. Troy beating them by an average of 25 points per game. I think it was 21, 24, and 29 points uh, in the last three matchups between the two. That's the only thing that's keeping me off of this. I do think that South Alabama is actually the better football team. Parker, let's get your thoughts here. Uh, we have both been high on South Alabama this season. They Their numbers are way better than what their record actually is. Uh, Jake Bentley, a quarterback, has not been awful. Like, he's been all right. Uh, we both like Tolbert. I, You know, I, this is a, a weird spot going on the road because they have not been great on the road. What uh, What are your thoughts here? Yeah, so the, definitely the road would be something to worry me if there wasn't just a, a really, really severe mismatch here. So I'll talk about the South Alabama offense, but I'm going to start with their defense. They're 50th in EPA per pass, 10th in EPA per rush, and they're uh, 22nd overall in EPA allowed. Troy's offense is abysmal. Last week, Troy's offense was able to rush a little, again, a little bit against a Coastal Carolina off, uh, defense that we've seen has been really poor on the front and the defensive line has not been disruptive um, at, at all. And so I think that what little success Troy found last week was largely Coastal Carolina making some mistakes, um, was largely Troy playing for the cover and not for the win uh, in, a, in a big game. And, and I think that the matchup here on offensive defense is, is really just overwhelmingly um, in the favor of South Alabama. One stat that I really like that's kind of just isolated from everything else, Jalen Tolbert targets last three games, 17, 15, and 14. They're getting him the ball, double-digit targets. Troy has nobody in the secondary to challenge him. So Coastal Carolina's offense, really, really fun. 
But for all that they, you know, I, uh, they, they have good guys, but they don't have an, a freak athlete like Tolbert. Troy is not going to be able to do anything with Jalen Tolbert. I think he's going to have a big game here. Um, Troy's Troy's passing defense has been um, just okay, mostly because teams are rushing against them. And so I really, um, really think that Troy's offense is not going to be able to keep up with something that looks kind of like a um, a shootout here. And so I think that it's weird that Troy uh, was was favored uh, and I, I really think that South Alabama is going to come in and and just be able to pull away with big playability here. Um, South Alabama is definitely my I can't quit you team of the year. I believe in Jalen Tolbert. <laughs> I think they're getting more creative and getting him the ball. Um, and it's okay that his yards per reception comes down because that means they're spreading the ball around uh, and, and getting him the ball in different situations and you definitely want the ball in your best player's hands. So um, I'm riding with South Alabama again. I'm going back to the well. I don't care about it being on the road. I, I really think that Troy is in a letdown spot and doesn't match up well here. I can get down with it. Big Trouble Jack jumped in on the chat, said Parker's going to get a Tolbert jersey for Christmas. Uh, and then Scott Let's had go. jumped in. Before you started talking, Scott said Parker's about to go off. Like they could <laughs> sense it coming. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely yeah. love it. Oh, man. All right. So uh, so that wraps up the games that we have listed. I do see a few that were in the chat. Uh, Your Last Crap, which is a fantastic YouTube name. Uh, he wants to know about Liberty at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 10-point favorite at home. That's a noon game, total of 67.5. Um, oh, God bless America. The official play on that last game, by the way, was South Alabama plus four, in case Parker did not let you know uh, well enough on that. So... With that, let's jump into the Q&A. Good grace, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Liberty at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, a 10-point favorite, total of 67.5. This is Hugh Freeze going back to Oxford. Uh, should be a lot of fun storylines around this ballgame. I, I will say this, because I do want to get both of your opinions on this. This is a scary situation for Ole Miss. They do not have some of their best playmakers. They do have uh, their running backs back. However, their top three wide receivers I don't think are going to be available this weekend. Uh, Matt Corral still dealing with injuries, and a big part of his game this year has been running the football. If he can't run, that's going to be uh, a bit of an issue. Obviously, we saw it against Auburn. I don't know that Liberty is as good as Auburn, but uh, Kyle, let's start off with you. At 10 points, uh, as far as the side, is that too much for Ole Miss? And and what do you think about 67 and a half here? Yeah, so I have two leans in this game, and I, I would lean Liberty and the under in this one. I think Liberty's defense is a little better than most people uh, think it is. And Ole Miss's offense, obviously, we know it's tremendous, but they're missing so many guys that they can't be quite as explosive as what they were in the past. Liberty also plays slowly, so you know that's a really high total for one team playing slowly. I like to mention some of these betting systems once in a while um, and fading ranked teams off a loss, um, fading a ranked team off a loss of 10 points or more. Um, the last 15 years is 181 and 121. That's 60% against the spread. So this is a really good system here. If you like Liberty, um, this is one I'm strongly considering betting myself. I, I think Liberty uh, really circles a game like this. Why would they not be up for this game? Ole Miss, like you said, kind of you know backs into this game. I'm not saying that they don't care about this game, but they're not at full strength by any means. Uh, so I like Liberty in this one, and I like the under some. Well, Ole Miss also has Texas A&M coming up next weekend. So uh, you get done playing at Auburn, you got A&M next week, and then you got Liberty with your former head coach slapped right there in the middle. Uh, Parker, 
you know I love this storyline. You know I love everything about this ball game. What uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I mean, Liberty basically had a bye last week. I think Malik Willis played like the first two drives of the second half against UMass as they just ran them out. And so I really think that um, ov- overall, uh, Liberty is definitely geared up for this game. And the bye to me, the effective bye to me, really comes out with when I look at Ole Miss's defense, I just I feel tired. I feel like they've gotten beaten down. They've had to try and keep up in a lot of games where there've been a lot of points and give their an offense a chance to get the last score. They're 106th in EPA per play allowed. Granted, they've played some really good teams, but Liberty 16th in EPA per play. There's obviously some schedule uh, on, on offense. There's obviously some, some schedule asymmetry there, but um, I think Ole Miss's defense is, is in for another game where they're going to have to um, really, really be on. Uh, and, 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 Again, their offense is missing some players here. So I'd have a slight lean towards Liberty covering just because Hugh Freeze is the king of the meme win, and this would absolutely be a memeable win. Um, and and so I think it'll be close. But, um, yeah, Ole Miss just, man, I, I was really high on them this season, and it feels like they just used a lot of gas early on and are, and are slowing down here towards the end of the season. You know what I would like to have happen? I would love to have an over in this spot for the 67 and a half. I do think Liberty's defense and in their pace kind of makes that not as likely. Uh, but these are two offensive coaches that love to draw them up. And I, I could see both of them just drawing up plays in the dirt, trying to trick the other one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun on Saturday morning, uh, but I ain't touching it. There is no, I mean, at Liberty would be my lean. If this thing gets over 10, yeah, I might, I might jump in on that, but I, it's going to be strange. I, I will tell you that. But that is where my TV will be on, on Saturday morning. Uh, Brad jumped in with Virginia Tech uh, minus three at Boston College. Uh, what are our thoughts on that one? It's a total of 47, and that is a Friday night game, the other Friday night game. I I do not trust either of those teams, but I will say this. Boston College has been just about putrid as of late. Uh, anybody got a feel on this one? Kyle, you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess – I don't love either of these teams, kind of like what Gary just said. So I, I kind of want to bet against both of them. So I, I'm not excited to bet a game like this. Um, you know, Boston College is banged up. We know that they were much better with Yurkovic at quarterback. Um, having said that, you know, Boston College is still kind of a feisty defense. They're not good on offense. Uh, Virginia Tech, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take us off topic too much, but – is Fuente uh, still considered a good coach or not? I mean, you know, because he hasn't done a great job with this Virginia Tech program. So I don't trust Virginia Tech either. Um, Gary, I don't know. I don't even know what I, I would bet in this game. It, my, my dad taught me long ago, I think I've said it on this show, don't bet on bad teams to be good. And in this situation, you would have to bet on one of them to be good. Uh, I think Fuente is still like a decent coach. It's just he's supposed to be an offensive guy, and and his offense is not good. So for whatever reason... Uh, he he bet on the wrong horse when he let Hendon Hooker get out of town because Hooker has been fantastic at Tennessee. Uh, Parker, you got a you got a number here for me, or I mean, if I had to lean one way, I might would go Virginia Tech because Boston College has been so bad on offense once they uh, once they had film out there. But I, that's that's the only way that I could look at this. Yeah, the um, the statement I wish that they had I wish that we had kept Hendon Hooker is like the weirdest thing that I never would have thought anyone <laughs> in the world would think. But here we are. Um, I, I think I only have two things on this game. Uh, I've heard that that uh, Yurkovich might be starting for Boston College, um, and so I don't know about that. 
And then I've also um, heard that Justin Fuentes has a huge buyout reduction on December 1st. Um, And so they're just waiting on that. And so he's kind of dead man walking. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my money on uh, PJ starting for, for Boston college. And I wouldn't bet my money on Justin Fuente being able to spark up any kind of um, serious um, beating here. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a lane even Uh, these teams are both very mirror image kind of okay on defense, pretty, pretty bad on offense. Did you say that you heard that Phil Jerkovich might be starting on, on Friday? Dude, dude, I got a tweet. Yeah. Because I am not seeing anything and I, that would completely shift this for me. Definitely. I mean, I'd be all over Boston college if that was like, (laughs) I'm not, I don't break, I don't break news. Nobody, uh, yeah, Nobody I don't take believe- word for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, if that is the case, I mean that's uh that's a pretty massive that's a pretty massive deal. Um and while while you're looking for that, let's go on and jump into one more question. I'll get Kyle's uh, opinion on this. Uh Taylor wanted to know about Pitt as a 21 point favorite against Duke. Uh I don't have a feel on this. I think Duke is just kind of riding out the season. I think David Cutcliffe is going to retire. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of fight left with this team. They got smoked by Wake Forest last week. They got smoked by Virginia the week before that. Like Duke has not been able to put up points even against bad defenses. So I don't think Narduzzi's bunch is going to give up a lot of points. And they have been giving up points in droves. I think Duke is really bad. If I had to lean a certain way, I'd roll Pitt minus 21. Uh, Kyle, is that kind of the way that you're feeling? Yeah, I would bet Pitt if I had to bet this game, certainly, because uh, Duke hasn't been able to score on anybody, like you said, but they give up points in bunches. So we we see these high totals in Duke games, and I know a lot of people like to bet overs in Duke games because they're playing fast and giving up a lot of points. But when Duke's not contributing at all, they're still going under the total. Um, you know, I don't think you'd get rich in the long run laying a ton of points with Narduzzi time after time. So I don't think this will be a play for me. But if I had to play this game, I could only bet Pitt. Uh, that does make sense. And uh, and Parker, uh, yes, pictures of uh, of Phil throwing. Uh, that's that kind of changes we'll things. We don't we don't break news on this show. We'll talk. <laughs> I'm just saying. I hear things, man. I don't know why I hear things at Boston College, but I hear things. That's uh that is very interesting. Okay, that might change uh, a little Friday night action. We'll have to look into this. Okay. All right. With that said, let's go ahead and do our recap uh, for our official plays for today. I'm going to have to get a bet in here pretty quickly. Um, uh, with, uh, Parker, let, uh, let's go ahead and get you to uh, to knock out yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm rowing the boat this week. I'm going with Minnesota minus 14 and a half. I like what Miami's been doing on offense now that they've had to simplify and I like how their defense is, has been multidimensional. So I'm going with them minus 10 and a half and I'm, I'm riding the Jalen Tolbert train uh, all season long, South Alabama plus four at Troy. Uh, and I am going to ride Central Michigan plus nine in some Wednesday night matching, which actually kicks off here in about 45 minutes or so. Uh, but I trust Jim McElwain in that bunch. Uh, I don't know why I trust them, but I do. So I've got the plus nine. I've actually got plus 10 ticket, but I think it's actually eight and a half. I'll still take eight and a half. It's all good. I think Central Michigan can win the game. So you give me that many points. I'm riding with it. Ohio State minus 14 and a half at Nebraska. They have killed them the last however many times they've played with them. And I think that they are going to do the same here the strengths for Nebraska uh, do not match up well against Ohio State. I think Ohio State is going to bludgeon this team. And Wake Forest, plus two and a half at North Carolina. I feel good about the Deacons 
headed over to the Tar Heels. I think Wake Forest is the more efficient team overall. They do not have nearly as many problems scoring and whatnot as North Carolina seems to. Uh, so I will take Wake Forest at not only plus two and a half. I, I think they're going to win the ball game outright. Uh, Kyle, let's uh, let's jump in with yours. So I'm going to take Northern Illinois and Kent State over 71 and a half, hoping for some wild action in that game. And then I'm going to take Illinois and Minnesota under 44. Uh, those two games couldn't be too much different from each other, but I'm going to take Illinois and Minnesota under 44 for my second play. Oh, you have certainly, certainly got that right. Uh, remind everybody, go ahead and like the video for us. Make sure and subscribe to the channel. We want you to hit the notification bell. We do this every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, and every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. That's right. This is only part one. We got part two tomorrow. So while we have gone through nine games plus, what, we did three, so 12 games today already, uh, we will be doing many more tomorrow. Make sure and jump in with that. So subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, jump into the comments. We want to know what your picks are as well. Uh, so leave your opinions, leave your comments, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, along with that, why don't you go ahead and sign up at BetUS? You can go to BetUS.com. It's where the game begins. You can use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to give you a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. And, my friends, it is sportsbook exclusive. Again, you are not going to find a better deal out there. You need to take advantage of this. There's a link in the description. Go ahead and click that link, and it will toss the promo code in there for you. Very, very simple to do. Knock that bad boy out. With that said, I think we're going to wrap it up. We will be back again tomorrow, so make sure and jump in, set your watch, set your timer, or, again, just hit that notification bell. Very easy to do when you subscribe to the channel. Uh, but, again, thank you for 2,000 subscribers. We are shooting for the moon. We'll be at a million in no time. I can only imagine. So, with that said, share the show out, and, uh, and let's get out of here. For BetUS, where the game begins, we'll see you all again on Thursday. <laughs>